Hello and welcome. It's 2024. It's a brand new season. If you aren't up to speed with what's going on, Chris and Swizz have been putting out the crappest insight <laughs> about trading premiums in round three. What is going on? If you haven't been up to date, SC Insider 100, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Supercoach app is live, ladies and gentlemen. This is our first ever official podcast for the year. Boys. I'm good, mate. I actually, I, I, I feel like you missed a bit of the intro. I feel like you're not bringing us back to the nostalgia. You know, it was like, where, where was the, the welcome back? Where's that? Where was that? I was just, that was failure in my opinion. Uh, look, it's like Jennifer Gunner. It is suddenly 40. We are back. It's the nostalgia, except you have more trades, more dilemmas and a forward line as thin as Chris's hair. Swizz, how are you in this off season? <laughs> mate, my off season hasn't stopped. So unlike you guys who just footy ends and we don't see you for six months. Um, I've been keeping our inside community uh, going, so it's it's been interesting. My first year as an expert did not go well in the BBL season, but it looks like I'm, I'm a bit of an NBL expert, so that's that's keeping me afloat. So it's been a lot of fun, but it's good to be back talking some AFL. And uh, if you haven't already, Chris and I have put out a video. I think uh, combined we've probably had about 8,000 views, which has been pretty awesome by our community. So keep uh, checking that out, and I'm sure we'll have new content. 8,000? Yeah, uh, 8,000 more than you, mate. Three and well. a half, and I've had, yeah, something like that. He's had nearly four, I think. That might be, that might be close to the 7,000 because I think yeah, he's nearly had four and I've had about three, so it's been pretty good. I'll give you boys a head start then, hey? And, um, <laughs> yeah, like a very, very interesting. Uh, Swizz would be playing Supercoach Snail Racing if there was one. Because... Mate, I would play everything if I could. And, and I didn't even, like, I just thought, like, NBA, why not? Like, let's just give it a crack. Because it's something it's not going to take up too much of my time, and it was nice to win a week. That was uh, very good. I've actually got my NBL shorts on now. That part of the prize package I got. So, yeah, no, I was pretty pretty stoked about that one. How many how many times have you won a weekly there, Benny boy? <laughs> Me, mate. I uh, I don't know if you've I don't know if you've ever heard the old school stuff from us, Wiz. But um, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> I don't know the rest nice. of the words. I don't know the rest of the words, Chris. Um, the only words worth. But look, we will. We have no idea what we're talking about today, except for the fact that Supercoach is open. We wanted to get together, and um, the most important part to looking at the forty trades and then the the possible scenarios, the round zero buys, the conundrum that that comes up with. Summarizing a few different points of view and a few thoughts as far as how you're approaching this season, which I think is probably the the most important part. People want to know, and yeah, forty trades. It's crazy. Supercoach is open. Chris, how are you approaching this season, this preseason, as far as the buys and the uh, extra trades in a snapshot? Um, well, I mean, you know, because me and Swiss have already recorded our initial thoughts, you're probably just catching up there, Ben, so I get that. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> this last Some people probably, might not have uh, already. It's I said I snapshot, not your long-winded 30-minute bullshit snapshot. No, no so I think, um, look – I was going into the season already thinking there would be, uh, I actually thought that they would slightly reduce trades, um, but being, you know, top 18 all the time. There's slightly, really ways you to play said this. 30. Yeah, which is slightly, it was 35, right? Was, and then, or 36, wasn't it this year? So 30 is slightly reducing, but then they've added four more, which whatever. I, I was already thinking of being aggressive because I like the aggressive play style. Um, and the 40 trades allows you to be even more aggressive. Um, but it, 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 there's two sides of the thinking. The, the best 18, can you just 
literally carry a premium through their buy. You might cost, say, a 50 to 70 point loss um, over those. But if you choose the right guys, then you can, it doesn't really matter. Um, versus choosing a team to hedge against and use the buys to your advantage and trade around them. Um, so th- those are the two schools of thought. At the end of the day, if you use your trade, uh, I'm so caught in between, you use your trades to gain a points advantage early, but your end team probably isn't as strong as others where they've got enough trades to generate two, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars more, which should enable them to get realistically top eight lines in every single um, in every single uh, section, right? So you can either go that way and you know plan smart and you know, maximize value and generate as much cash as possible and get the absolute best of the best, or you can use those trades early to get a points bump um, on the season to try and roll you over and do what basically is like what I call um, SC fantasy. You know, be as aggressive as possible, make your moves as early as possible and hope that your team is good enough at the back end of the year to carry you through into a really good rank. Um, and I think that those are ultimately the only two scores of thought that people are going with at the moment. What about you, Swiss? Yeah, I think, mate, I was pretty on it. I, I was thinking they were going to go more trades. So straight away, I was, mate, I think you and I, a few people were uh, tagging us in that today saying, uh, oh, so the super coach inside a strategy of um, bringing in players who aren't rounds, you know, sort of not with round zero, but we're starting those sort of round, um, you know, maybe one or two players who might go up. Oh, well, actually it was, I think it was going up the round zero players, starting them to try to get that cash gen and then swapping into players who have already had their buy um, and, you know, being pretty hot on that idea of, say, a Brisbane or a Carlton play, in particular Sam Walsh. Uh, so, yeah, it was getting a bit of criticism early. I know I had a little look through a couple of my comments on YouTube and Twitter um, saying, you know, that's ridiculous. You can't be trading premiums and that. And I know, um, like I've shared my thoughts about the top 40 and I might even release a little about that but the a lot of people don't like the idea of trading premiums but i think if that means it's going to get points um, i'm all for that uh, ben's very much against it tell me ben what I you think because why oh. <laughs> i wonder why people would ever be against you side hopping and leapfrogging premiums um so I will record a team podcast hopefully after this, depending on how long these two waffle on. I call them the Pancake Manor boys because it's all, all um, too much to handle. Now, um, so for me, I don't like the leapfrogging effect. Now, I could be swayed and I will be – this. my approach to this preseason will be fluid like Chris's sexuality and I will try and um, be informed try except – Wait for round zero. If a premium fires off in round zero, so shots fired. If a premium <laughs> fires off in round zero, zero, and they are a good um, price point. Let, so let's say like Himmelberg goes absolutely big and at his price point, I'm like, okay, well then maybe I will take that early price hike and then maybe I can do something with him if he does sort of fall off a little bit. But I would rather have a premium the whole way through. So, so yeah, Port, Fremantle are probably the first ones I'm thinking of as far as the better buy. Now, I would rather then hold that part of it, still be really aggressive trying to upgrade, and then I'd rather flip a premium if they aren't top 10 on their buy, their second buy. Not their first little piddly entry-level buy that you guys are thinking about, but their actual buy and then making sure that it's a top 10 to gain that extra points at the next buy round and then launch the way through. Now, the last thing I do have as a consideration is um, it's twofold. Number one, I'm looking for guys with high ceiling and high hurt factor. 
I don't want some measly 100 flat, 100, 100, 100 player to do the buy rounds. In case a rookie spikes an 80 and then I've gone, yay, I've got a 20-point boost in my scores, which is going to be awesome. And then the second part is I'm actually also considering if there's cheap rookies that look to be playing, taking a little bit of a risk and actually having cheaper rookies even on field because then I'm going to be able to maximize the amount of money spent on my premiums because when it's best 18 for most of the first six rounds, I know I'd rather have a 120K guy that may or may not score well and then bank in an extra premium trying to knock in some big scores. So that's kind yeah, of where I'm at, depending on yeah. obviously what's going on. I was going to say, but this year is different to any other year because we're actually getting to look at eight teams before they even start. So I think the that round zero to one might be our most watched podcast of all time. Uh, because we'll actually have eight teams of data. We'll know where they're playing. We'll know what positions they are. We'll know what rookies are in. So we'll able to do a little bit of forward planning because if a couple of those round zero rookies or mid prices go absolutely ham in that first round, well, all of a sudden we've actually got to start planning our trades around and our team around that. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be kind of a very different approach to how we go about things. And I think that strategy is going to come from what happens in round zero. Yeah, look, I think that there's... And there's that's two, why it's really subjective, that. isn't it? Well, I think, yeah, so you need to try and use the round zero um, information the best you can. Um, I, I'm trying to hunt value, but I'm also trying to got, get back out, guys. And uh, you, that strategy that I was talking about only really works if the guys that you pick are, first of all, value picks in that they're not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Like, there's no point. I was looking at it today, like, um, like I could go like Tom Green, for example, in round one and two and then try and flip him. But really, what's the point? I think if you're picking, like, say, a Tom Green, you're picking him for the season. You're not picking him just um, just randomly. Um, and he doesn't actually have a good history against West Coast and North. So it's like, okay, well, is he the sort of player that's going to be good? Or uh, I, I don't know. Um, is Josh Kelly? You know, he's obviously got a, a good history against a, as a downhill skier. Same with Canelio. Um I looked at guys like Brayshaw, for example, Angus Brayshaw. Like, yeah, I think even without Clary, he still only averaged over the 10 games, I think, about 100. Like, is that really good enough to get you the points bump and the cash that you need in those time, in that time? Like, I, I, there's, there has to be the right player and the right situation to do it. And so, although that round zero information is going to be really vital to, to get that. So, yeah, it's um, something different. And, and Noah says hi. He's just worked out that he's on camera. So, he's like trying to <laughs> make a scene. Um, but hi, he's now. I thought Noah was old. just emulating. Noah was just emulating you, Chris. I think, and he was just, um, you know, talking nonsense. Nonsense. It was nonsical. <laughs> nonsense. Um, I like it. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. So is is that where your kind it's of you know your Himmelbergs, like... your Matt Crouches, etc., are something to consider? Um, the other part I'm not too set and focused on critiquing other people's starting sides is because it does really rely on that round zero. Because if you have eight teams and then they have let's say lots of rookies get a big score, well, then automatically you're having to go guns and rookies because that's where it's going. And if it's not, then you go, okay, well, then you're kind of guessing on some of the other rookies that haven't played yet, mixing with some of the mid-prices that, that might have fired off, like Zach Williams. And then you're also going to have a really big decision if you're going to what like um, short, short someone's stocks. So let's say Williams actually comes out with like an 88 and a lot of people are going there. Are you going to follow suit because everyone else is or you're going to kind of... Maybe, you know, um, hope that he's going to not perform. So it's going to be some really big decisions in that last week. And I also agree uh, with 
you know, you boys here, that'll probably be the most watched week, I think, ever because everyone will be trying to scramble, looking at the data, trying to figure out who they're going to start, which rookies are named to then add in to, to complement that mix. And I see us probably nearly recording most days that week, probably, uh, as it's the be information week, changes. Yeah. So it's going to be a really, really, really big week for us. Oh, you've got your George. puppy as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, 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 I, I thought if you're going to have babies as well, I'm going to have my little baby. <laughs> ben, where, where you are. He brings out the scotch bottle. <laughs> wow, Ben. Out. Wow, there it is. <laughs> what a rookie. Label out. Label out. Label a friend out. of mine picked that. this up in Japan <laughs> from a supermarket. 62 Australian and it's worth like 200 Australian here. Nice. And that's awesome. since I've had that for less than a week. I've had that for about, oh, actually. <laughs> this is how we get them. This is how we get other than one percent. So, uh, for those playing at home, our um, YouTube viewership is like ninety nine percent male, and we've got one percent female. So, if you guys are out there, sh- say say hey. Um, but uh, yeah, we're trying to up that. <laughs> um, yeah, look. I mean, if you girls are out there, not if you guys are out there, Chris. Yeah. So there are some oh, no brainer picks. So obviously the as well. Obviously the um, uh, you know, like. Uh, Port and Frio guys, you know, they're sort of set and forget. So, ah, thank you. So there's there are those considerations. Um, there's guys that, you know, for example, I think like guys like Sicily. Oh, my God. Chris just threw the baby. He did. <laughs> <laughs> um, he just you know, threw it off. Like that. No, he was taken by his mother. Um, yeah, so there are, there are some no-brainer picks out there. Um, there obviously, there's always going to be the good rookies. I think the expensive rookies this year are shining so far in the preseason. Um, McKercher looks great. Brian Sanders looks great. Um, obviously, Reed looks great. Um, you've got Zach Williams at a, at a rookie price. Finn McRae apparently is killing it in preseason. So um, you've got Jordan Sweet, who potentially could get the number one ruck roll, but I do think he probably, unfortunately, Soldo, I think, gets it. And I don't think that Port run two rucks. Um, or two primary rucks. I think they run with a Finn Lason or a Dixon as the no. as the backup. Um, Soldo is um, selfish. Soldo is selfish. He likes solo. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's uh, there's it's quite a lot of yeah elevated rookies um, that will take up quite a bit of cash as well. So we still do need to look at value options. It's not just like okay, you, you just got to pick your your best twelve premiums. I think that that's a little bit. Um, not outdated thinking. I think you still, it's definitely uh, value still means a lot. Uh, and, you know, even like someone like Bont, for example, obviously, you know, still coming back from preseason surgery, um, you know, rumored to be training with the forwards. That could just be because he's coming back from surgery, not necessarily because that's his role. So we do need to get as much information as we possibly can before uh, round one kicks off for sure. Interesting. Um, I'm surprised, Chris, you have lasted. I don't even know. Oh, you've lasted 15 minutes and 40 seconds without even mentioning Collingwood, Dacos, or Flagpies. I'm really impressed. It's the first time I've worn this uh, in a little bit, so I'm I'm feeling like I'm feeling quite comfortable in it. To be honest, it feels like a winning jersey, doesn't it? Hmm. <laughs> it's true. I slept in it for like a week, so. <laughs> Uh, you're still reeling off that. I mate? couldn't get mine off quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's written in the bin, fire, brimstone, all of that. Uh, so the, the interesting thing yep. this year, though, hey, is going to be. Once the season starts, though, are you still a premiership? Yeah, the reigning premier. Yeah, are you still premier once the season yeah. starts, or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Ah. Until the next grand final. 
And, you know, Richmond are going to be the new wooden spooners. So, I mean, I suppose we're going to... Ipso Mate, facto. I'm happy to take pick three in this draft. Like, that's where we're finishing. <laughs> finishing 16th. Two years down the bottom. We're just going to do what you guys did. You know, you reset yeah. what the Giants did. Take, like, Finn Callahan and a couple of high picks and Cadman, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, oh, we're back in the premiership race. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a couple of other sons, you know. Not... <laughs> it's all yeah, good. Well, just kissed on the... For that, if only like you were Gold Coast, mate, you get um five five first round picks a year. If you're yeah. Gold Coast, mate, you need to change your strategy, mate. Gold Coast have always been our seconds. I'll end up at Richmond soon. IQ, IQ's little brother's coming through next year for the Pies, and he looks exactly like IQ. And I'm like, dude, on the field, I don't know if you're going to be able to tell the difference. They need to like generate their own <laughs> hairstyle to, to be able to separate the two. Um, yeah, it's going to be going to be good. No, they should call them the Febreze brothers. It's so fresh right now. Um, all righty. So let's have a, uh, a little bit of a dive in to um, each little section. Let's go with maybe just one player you kind of got your eye on. Maybe that's, you know, let's not go with a, oh, Cicely Stewart kind of premium, but one player. And if someone else names them, you're going to have to figure someone else out. One player yeah. that you're kind of keeping your eye on as a possible breakout and one player that's valuable like a value pick who you think could actually either make you money or be someone that you might be able to possibly keep. So we'll start in the defensive line, Chris. If you have someone off the top of your head, who do you think could break out and surprise some people this year and who's a value pick? Top 10 chosen so far um, are 26% and above in defense and then it drops off massively. So this will be interesting who you've got. Yeah. Well, I think the one the one that's probably the most obvious breakout, which needs to be spoken about, is Hayden Young, and he's probably also yeah, the most selected, right? Um, so when he went into we did I did a, a little bit more of a breakdown today. So he played five games in the midfield last year, but apparently the first game that he played, he only scored sixty nine, and in that game he was mainly used as a tagger, um, and it was only like part way through the game that they opted to, to throw him in there. So I don't know how much salt you can do that. I had a look at his heat map. It's basically mainly midfield, but he was thrown into a target. The rest of the four games, the rest of the season, he hit 110 plus all four games. But over those five, he averaged 107. So even that as a defender puts him as a top six defender straight away. So, you know, when he tagged that guy in that first game, did you know that after the game, he had to actually buy that guy a meal that he tagged? <laughs> Why is that? We scored 69 Supercoach, so it's a meal for two. So we had to buy him and the other guy a meal. I was wondering where you're going for that. Um, adding on to Chris there, so I was at that Hawthorne game. <laughs> I was at the Hawthorne game in the I last round. This. I missed this. I know. Mate, do you expect anything different? <laughs> Starting off 2024 where we left it in 2023. <laughs> yeah, no, mate, back, backing up. Oh, so I was there. I got to watch Hayden Young in, uh, in the flesh in that last round game against Hawthorne. And, yeah, he kind of bullied that midfield. I thought the best thing about it was he worked so well as a, a collective group of the other two gun mids that they have in there. So um, sometimes, you know, they can be still in each other's ball. And But I, I thought they actually got some really good positioning. Um, and, and I was kind of that, – that probably was the thing that impressed me more than the actual score, just the fact that they weren't getting in each other's way at stoppages and um, – and because of Young's ability at the half-back line, um, we know he's got the defensive um, game about him. And um, once he went into that midfield, he was adding such um, defensive pressure. I think he had uh, 32 tackles over those last four matches. 
So, um, yeah, and we, we know tackles are gold in Supercoach, so. Well, I, I'm impressed that he's scored that much being basically the defensive mid because um, mm. that's not normal in that role. But we'll, obviously, I think regardless, he's still value, so you, you just take him. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he can still average that well playing that because you've, you've got to remember the other guys in that midfield are uh, Sarong, Brayshaw, and probably Fife at this at this point, the main other mids. And then you've also got Matty Johnson, who's obviously played a bit of wing and a bit on the ball last year, who looks to be in incredible nick apparently, uh, and probably will get more rotations through that midfield as well. So of of those, you know, Johnson can play as that defensive side midfielder, but that's not really his forte either. So it really leaves Hayden Young as that midfield enforcer um, on the defensive side of the of the uh, of the circle. So um, yeah, we're interested to see what he does end up doing. But um, Ben, you've got a view of that. Yeah, well, I expect him to kind of match up against one of the other mids to sort of negate them. And I don't think he'll probably be getting the cleanest of clearances um, from the stoppage. And if anything, he'll probably be tackles, kind of like Dawson up against Cripps, hoping to exploit him on the way out. So once the ball hits the ground to kind of maybe get on the outside, or more importantly, if if Freeman will win the ball, then I I imagine Sarong, Bracer, etc. will be looking to get to Young on the outside to use his left boot to penetrate inside forward 50. So I don't imagine it'll yep. be huge clearance numbers. And if he does get a clearance, it'll be scrappy as hell. It'll be more of a lock and clamp and tackle if the ball spreads to try and get on the outside quickly and then actually be used as a link-up person. So you'll probably find maybe more you know, goal assists, more inside 50s, et cetera, rather than clearance numbers yep. from him. So And you, you can do that as the sweeper anyway. Yeah. I mean, if you're the sweeper in behind and you have a clear tap to advantage and you know that you're going to win the ball and you're the one that explodes out you're going to be that free, loose handball receive on the way, exit from a stoppage. So, uh, look, it's not to say that you can't score in that role. So maybe it's just it's center bounce it's then. Been harder. Yeah, yeah, it could be, yeah. Maybe it's and a center bounce though. Around. Center bounce is there. Or, and then around the play, they might then get a Johnson or someone else, Erasmus or um, someone else to actually try and play that in a game and role and then try and free him I, up as a loose man. At the that's stoppage. what I saw in that Hawthorne game too because, yeah, he was getting – he still got defensive marks, um, that sort of loose – it was nearly kind of like that old, um, uh, I guess that seventh play, a little bit that Richmond style where, um, you know, you, we, we used to start sort of that seventh player behind the ball, but the difference is Young starting actually in the middle this time, but he's then pushing back as all the other guys, more the half forwards then push in. Um, so if he isn't the one to win the clearance, then he's just going defensive side and he's still a chance of taking intercept mark or, as you said, you know, sort of rebound, get that free. Um, so you, you're kind of getting two bites at the cherry, especially if Fremantle um, were to lose the ball in the middle. Fair enough. Uh, Jeez, pumping up his tyres Chris, who's your value pick then? That, that, well, that, I suppose value he was pick. my value pick because he's, he's value useful for 525. That was your breakout. That was your oh, breakout. we're doing one each. Well, okay, he's 500. Cool. He's not the biggest value in the world. Yeah, nah, you can't, look, yeah. Look, at this at this point, I mean, there's so many. I, I'll just go with a, with a rookie. Um, but, I mean, I, I guess anyone under 250K is a rookie. Uh, I'll probably go with Gibkiss. I mean, what, what we've seen from Gibkiss is that he obviously can score quite well as a rookie, and he's actually cheaper now than he was in his rookie season. He can make cash, and that's really all you're looking for from Richmond uh, Richmond defender. Um, is he best 22? That's probably a better question for Swizz. Um, but I think, you know, he's already proven that he was until he got injured, um, and they obviously want to put more time into him. So at this stage at 150K, I, like he's a guy that can easily make 150k on the way up, um, and I think he's probably of the cheaper rookies in defence. I think he's probably the best option for a field. 
Um, but uh, Swizz, what do you think about Gibkiss? Yeah, mate, he's he's definitely best twenty two. What do you go pick seven in that draft? And yeah, the fact exactly. that all the noise out of Richmond is Bolter is training forward again. Um, so yep. they obviously like what Tyler Young did in his first season. Um, so Young comes in, plays that defensive role. But then Gipkus, because it's sort of where does Boulder fit in? We know what Broad does, Floston. Um, so I'd expect Gipkus is nearly tries to play as that third defender. Um, so you probably Which have to lock down in Grimes and Young. And then Gipkus is that, yeah, that third who. Um, and they've got so many good ball users, like, you know, Baker's dropping there, short Rioli. So it's probably Gipkus's be the floater because he is a very good intercept mark and, and just a general mark. Uh, so he takes that mark and is trying to offload to one of those three and Bolter guys. Bolter fits in anywhere too, boys. I'm sure <laughs> Bolter <laughs> fits in anywhere. Could be fits <laughs> in the pantry, fits in my belly. Um, Love a good Bolter. Yeah, so he's uh, – yeah, no, I think it's a it's a pretty good pick as long as he's over all those injuries, which it looks like or word is that he is, so – to apologize in advance here because like i've had the only audience i've had for about six weeks has been a three-year-old and a one-year-old and my missus doesn't really give up much so um, <laughs> even back at, even back at work i was like oh, it's been a wonderful audience just like throwing out all the worst puns comments jokes innuendo like yes yeah, subtly um I like it. so it's good to be back i need an audience for, for this channeled aggression um <laughs> your value pick swiz someone that can make you money and then, well, or premium first, sorry. Yeah, technically, Chris has taken the two obvious and the two that I, <laughs> I had. So, um, I the third defender in my backline has sw- switched between Sheasel and Brayshaw, and I kind of don't know which way I want to go. It, it relies a little bit on like sort of what was happening to Fisher there, because if Fisher was up and fit, it looks like Sheasel's going either mid or forward of the ball, which then makes him kind of unpickable. And that's where I was like, I pivoted to Brayshaw. And then that all depends again on what happens with Melbourne's lineup. And Chris did share some thoughts about that earlier. Um, but potentially just with the way um, Melbourne's, you know, they start the season, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things, but the Bulldogs, yeah, tough. They've got some tough games, but I think that probably nearly yeah. suits Brayshaw because it's going to be more contested in there. Um, you know, Hawthorne put Adelaide, Adelaide, I think Brisbane. So it's, I would actually be wor- more likely to fade Brayshaw if they were probably easy ball on the outside. Um, I kind of would rather a contested game where that, yeah, there's a potential there because Oliver's their main contested beast. And if he's not there, it's up to Viney and Brayshaw to do it because tracks more your silk, um, the guy that they want on the end of it. So that's kind of what I'm looking at in that first game. And at least we get one week's data of actually seeing who who yeah. is the distributor the or who's who's the big ball. Uh, so that's why Brayshaw's in there at the moment because it's an easy swap to somebody else if if need be. So um, that that is the one I'm keen on because I think – I haven't seen anything keeper, in my DMs, Swizz. But he he can definitely. Nothing in my DMs. You apparently have some inside information about Clory. I haven't heard a single thing, mate. Then you now, and now you're talking about starting Brayshaw. Mate, I'd be shocked if Oliver's there first game. He's done no preseason. He needs time away from footy completely. So um, it wouldn't. Yeah, mate, they, it, they it told him to keep running lines, and he took it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow, we're going there. Wow, we have gone there. Wow. That, speaking of that, I actually looked at um, – there's a couple others that also could in that uh, explode in that round one, which I want to have a look at. But it was flagged today that Christian Salem could be lining up in the middle. 
um, which leaves an opening behind the ball um, or in, in the middle as well. Trent Rivers is also one that can pop off if, with the right role. Um, so, yeah, there's some, there's some stuff in the air to be worked out. The problem with Rivers, if he's behind the ball, last year they used Stephen May, obviously, as the kickouts, and they also used Jake Bowie. So is he does he get something with Christian Salem out? I don't know if that if that's going to work, but definitely something to watch. Yeah, it's, a, it's what it is. Benny boy. Also, could open this. up a spot for um, old mate that 70s show as well. <laughs> old mate that 70s show. Ah, you are a whore. Oh, Marty <laughs> Hall. That shot. Whore. Marty Hall. Yes, it could. Yes, who's Hore. obviously on the pine as well. So. Um, now I suppose we move on to your value pick. To be fair, most whores are on the pine. (laughs) Yeah. Value, but I'm going to go more mid price there because I think they're the obvious, um, uh, rookie guy there was Gipkus, but I'll go, I'll I'll throw out two mid price names here. Um, and one's Josh Weddle and the other one's Connor Butterick. Uh, and, and that's just because again, potential roles, now we've heard like we saw what Amon did in that sort of five six game period um, at the end, but a lot of talk is that Weddle's been the one they're using as that sort of halfback roaming guy, um, and then potentially again until we actually see it in preseason to see who that exactly is the distributor out of halfback. But the the couple people who've been watching them train and says Weddle's sort of had that free range down there now it's not a great price because it's 373 but in saying that you know some people and quite a lot of people are on that aim on train at 486 so if Weddle was hypothetically the distributor from half back you can't ignore that uh, because that's the same with like you know kitty coleman and then it comes down to connor Bruderick again which all reports is dimmer's trying to turn him into Jaden short so and sort of that there you don't like picking too many of these mid prices, but we have seen in the past where if you get the right sort of 300k guy right or 300 to 400k guy right, um, and, and for a defense, there's no reason why those halfback distributors can't go 100. So it is a, a you know a very valued um, if in the right role. Yeah, I like the idea of Butterick, um, and I like even better that we get to see him in round zero. <laughs> Yeah, and that's probably why he's got he, – he's probably got the leg up over Weddle because we get to actually set in a proper game. But we'll still yep. get the well, – the order is usually we're getting a club intra club. Um, then they get this practice match that they've released the fixture on that. And then we've got the, um, you know, the whatever the, it's sponsored by these days, NAB or whatever, as the, the pre-season match. So you still get three looks at what role – and by that – final practice match these days most teams are pretty settled at least we'll now get we'll say butterick um, or butterick uh, the um, actual proper game in round one against richmond to see if that is the case and if he comes out and pops 95 plus then it's going to be hard to ignore him because you're going okay he's actually got that role so uh, yeah no it's something to definitely consider benji tell us you're right, your... right there are quite a few players around that price point uh, well, I'm We're just going to extend on that. We're, we're talking about the round zero. I mean, um, Kitty Coleman also has that round zero. And, yeah, he's um, in that price If he range, plays the same way he finished off the year and in the final series, he is someone at that price. But 100%. also the round zero is someone that I wouldn't mind getting to see before. And I think we'll be swayed by those kind of guys. I mean, even if we saw like Wangaline Miller playing, he's another one that could. Those half halfback sort of types that are silky, smooth, good disposal, they're the ones kind of like a Hayden Young-esque. They could really make some money and score you a lot of good points in the meantime. Would they surprise me to be a top 10? I don't know if they're kind of going to make that big of a jump, 
but they're definitely value to kind of push near enough. The one thing that they might consider about Kitty Coleman is that he did play in a losing grand final and they probably want to make some changes to make sure that they win next time. So I can understand why they would just throw him out, eh? <laughs> but but so much better than oh, give me a moment of mourning here. I actually <laughs> thought you paused to give me some real valuable insight. I actually sat there and listened, genuinely paused and listened for that no, try. Like, <laughs> um, okay, so the t- oh, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, buddy, get used to it. Go, Benjamin. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just starting out. I'm just starting out. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, Why did I prompt you 18 minutes ago? You shouldn't have. You I need, unleashed I need the bear. With a bit more kick now. I've gone the telescope. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, um, um, so the two that I'm kind of considering right and could be swayed on are Jordan Ridley number one. It's Burn oh, Man number no. one, but. Look, you know, when you look at Makaya going down there, he is someone that I could be swayed on as far as depending on the role. I know it will change here and there, but uh, you take his KO. If you take his knocked out game out of his averages, he's he's actually eighth overall. So he is a top eight defender with a smidge of a discount, uh, 9% owned. So that's kind of in that nice range of under 10%. Because, um, you know, me, I only go 10s or under. So um, the other one is I'm actually considering 1% owned is uh, Jaden Short is someone as well that I am keeping a loose eye on. Uh, I'm looking left field as far as this one because I am considering the same as Chris said, a bottom team. I call it the Witherden effect where when all else (laughs) fails and that ball's in there a lot and you're under pressure, he's going to kick it as far as he can. He's going to literally kick it out of the defensive 50 and hope for a contest and you have a tall player like a Lynch if he can run on his dodgy ass ankles. To bring it to ground. And I expect a lot of loose ball in there to be just absolutely launched as far away as possible. So I think he is someone that could have a lot of large meters gained, a lot of effective kicks because of those meter gains, and a lot of disposal in general. So he's someone I am considering that um, could push that sort of 100 to 105, even though we haven't quite seen it fully and consistently yet. But I think the ball will be there more than ever. I think we can all agree that Jaden Shaw has the scope to do it if he's given the reins last year, he should have been given the reins and they threw in the midfield for some stupid reason where he proved <laughs> that he wasn't a great midfielder in the first place. Mm. No idea what they were doing. Like he was there sporadically. He was there sporadically. <laughs> you know what? He had the role and then he was gone in 60 seconds because they called him Memphis reigns. They didn't get to him. <laughs> I'll, I'll, talk, I'll quickly talk about that, Ben, because obviously I watch Richmond probably more than most people out there. <laughs> Um, so you'd have Taranto, but the problem, then you have Hopper and, and Prestia a lot of the time injured. Uh, so there was a little bit of flickering around at that team and trying to get the balance. Um, and I don't think they wanted to go Liam Baker full-time midfielder yet. Uh, then they've got the other issue where Jack Graham probably only plays midfield. We see him the odd time, you know, line up in the forward line, but he is more that, you know, clearance guy, but also tackle defensive pressure. Uh, but then you've brought in Hopper who plays the role probably better. Uh, so they were trying to get somebody who could actually use the ball well in there, and then they tried to balance a few different plays through it. So I really hope they settle short down and actually play Baker through that midfield because I think he's the obvious next Rich, uh, Richmond leader and captain of the football club. So I'd first bounce, I'd have Taranto, Hopper, Baker, and Short should just have that half back with Rioli on the other side. 
Yeah, absolutely agree. Well, that'd be great for our super coach teams and it would solve a large dilemma for me in my defense. <laughs> so um, I like what you're thinking, buddy. I like what you're thinking. And as my um, cheaper options that could be possibly keepers, Zach Williams is one that has to be spoken about. Now, depends on his body. If he gets his body right, they obviously he came to the club saying, I'm a midfielder. And yeah, no, that's not happening. <laughs> no, so winger. I think that's a oh, long pipe during con. But yeah. It would be interesting, yeah, right. So back, put him in the back line, give him a little bit of run, give Saad a bit of a, a chop out and compliment because Saad isn't great when he's the only one because he's predictable and they try and lock him down. So you need almost like the Bash brothers or the Blues brothers to kind of get in there, as you will, and um, and really dominate. So he's the first one I am looking at who should be on everyone's radar, 60% owned, so that's an easy one yeah. there. Um, and then the other one I was looking at, and you guys aren't as keen, is uh, Heath Chapman. Could be sold. I am watching him. Um, more depending on if he beats someone out for the role, if it looks like it's his. He scored quite a lot of 80s, 90s, etc. earlier on, and he is very cheap. So I think he's being disregarded probably a little too much for my liking. I uh, had a bad run with some um, yeah, injuries and the rest of it, but he too was also a very high pick. So he's skillful, he's tall, he's got good disposal, he can mark, he can play. So it depends on, you know, if he was playing a lockdown, then I'd probably be more concerned, but it looks as though he's not, the lockdown and more towards the wing and half back. So I think there is some scope there for some possible intercepts for some good kicks and disposals, but he is someone that I do need to see it from. So at 16% ownership, I think you could do a lot worse than Heath Chapman. I assume his, his ownership's only low because of you know, your Williams and a few of these other defender rookies and people are probably spending up big in defense because the forward lines are so thin. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I think can there's, there's a to. lot to play out. And I think that there's a lot of wingers at Frio that are all vying for the same position. Uh, so whether or not he's the best 22 or best 23, that's my biggest concern. I think he might be on the cusp. Um, but I also think that even if he does get it, he might be fat side winger rather than the uh, the attacking winger. And that could also really be detrimental. Having said that, 250K, if he's locked into the 22, you'd, just, you'd, you'd probably pay that anyway. Um, and you'd have those 40s sporadically mixed with, mixed with an 80 and a 90 and things like that. So um, I, I don't hate Chapman. I'm just, I'm watching. Why him. Why fat side winger though, Chris? The logic because behind I think, it? I think Jeremy Sharp has the other wing absolutely locked up right now. And I think that they're going to use him uh, primarily as that distributor. And uh, he's obviously, uh, probably that's a good segue. Um, to midfield value, because I do think that he's one um, should be on. Yeah, no, I just wanted to support you, Chris. And the reason being is that Sharp, Sharp actually, when he's on the attacking side, the, the quickness and the speed, because you think about it, when you're attacking, it's not always the cleanest ball, so you can actually get on the outside and run and spread and use that mm. speed to really push forward. Whereas Chapman's really good on the fat side, because most times when they sort of switch, it hangs in the air a little bit more, so you actually have a taller winger that can intercept the mark and then rebound and launch off that. So... That's why I think it was actually a really good point you made. I was trying to see if you're on the same thought as me. No, I like it. Midfield, before, go. Before, I was going someone. to say, before we move on, just want to throw out there, put on your watch list Tom Cleary from Port Adelaide. Um, He's playing wing, hey? <laughs> playing wing at 145K, bizarre. But you've got, to, got to replace just got to mine somehow. That. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just bizarre. Yeah. But Desmond. at that price, you've just got to have there uh, on the watch list. Yeah, and again, he will play fat side wing likely, right? So rolling back into yeah, the defense. The difference there, is so. he's 100K cheaper than Chapman. And that's why I wanted yes. to bring him up then because it's like if they both lined up wing, you take the 100 guy, 100K cheaper guy. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so uh, so I suppose, yeah, so Sharp, obviously we've touched on him. 
So what was it? Premium and then uh, value guy. Look, I think premium. I actually have Dacos at M1 because of the, just the way that it's it's working out in my team at the moment. But so I'm not really going to talk too much about premium. I think I'll use my premium as, as also another value guy because I don't think you guys will touch him. But um, we did slightly mention him before and it's going to be role dependent and that's Carl Amon. So um, he obviously at the end of the season last year was, was put into that distributor role. And so I've heard conflicting reports that yes, he's playing behind the ball, but no, he's not necessarily on kickouts and he's lost part of that role. And if so, then that does kind of put a red line for him. But if he does you know, play the exact same role that he did for six games last year, he averaged 107 in that role. Um, and at 480K in the midfield is one that obviously will, by round six, get uh, DPP and then switch behind as a potential top six defender. So it's good if it works, but what we have seen from Hawthorne and from Sam Mitchell at the moment is they're really trying anything out and they're throwing the magnets around from time to time. And it's not necessarily something that will stick the whole year. So I can understand the trepidation. The thing that's letting me and allowing my, my brain to be like, yes, go for it is 40 trades. Who really cares? Cause I got 40 trades and I can just trade him out. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my, that's my, I suppose, value. Um, and premium. Chris, I'm a little bit uh, interested as to why you have maybe Dacos at M1. Now, I did hear a little rumor, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that you were trying to fit as many people in your midfield as possible. So I heard you had Shuey, Dacos, you tried to even fit in like uh, Matheson, and you even petitioned to Al and Tim Mitchell to try and get Selwood back in the team because you just want a whole bunch of duckers filling up <laughs> shit lists on your squad. <laughs> oh, Nick Dacos, as I call I, I, him. I see what and you forever did will. I see what you did there because you're referencing the grand final that you lost. I get it. No, <laughs> I, I would be. I'd be heard about that too. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I would call that talent, mate. If that was so, so, fair, like him. fair call, if that was yeah. Jimivan, by the yeah. way. But it was Dick oh, Dacos, mate. He's not Dacos. Debate. <laughs> it's like calling like you know, when you call Selwood or Penrobri a ducker. They're not duckers. That's skill. It's like a yeah, but Jimivan, he's a ducker. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even mention Ginevan and you know why? Because he's he's actually nobody has sought more about oh Ginevan's treatment than Chris has over the last two years. That's premiership player Ginevan to you, mate. Uh, all right, uh, Swizz, your premium buddy in the midfield. Um, you know what? It's this guy's not highly owned, and he probably won't be looked at as much because of just some of the other prices in there. But I've actually currently got in Zach Merritt in my side. Starting oh, side. Uh, he's actually bulked <laughs> up. He's actually bulked up even more. He's the leader of Essendon. Um, and I think he actually played his best football with the leadership last year. Not many people are going to be looking at him as a bit of a point of difference. So um, I, I don't mind their fixture to start off with as well. I think the Bombers will start the season on a high. Um, you know, obviously going to make try to make amends for kind of the way they finished. Uh, so uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the, if the Bombers were able to come out and start the season in a positive way, who's going to lead that midfield? And it's going to be Merritt because I don't rate Parrish anyway as near as Merritt, Zach Merritt. So um, him, him in that sort of mix with, you know, because like, I've already got like your Butters and, your, and Sarongs and those popular younger choices, but just as somebody who doesn't have an early buy. You're not worried about Scott playing him forward? Like has he bogged up to play? Well, because that's what huh. he was doing last year. That He was playing him wing and forward and then – They'll push him all I, over the place. And then you look uh, at the caliber in that Essendon not, field. That's the only thing that concerns me. I actually think they've they've tried it like with Caddy, young Caddy coming in, and it's a lot to put on his shoulders, but they've actually trying to structure up their forward line a little bit more for the future. 
you've got to have your best player in there early. It's just if if something happened in preseason and all of a sudden Merritt's not playing guts, well then it's a different story. But I'd be kind of shocked well, if you don't have your best player. Also, I think um, in that you're assuming Essendon want to win finals. Well, that's that's it. Like, and this is probably Play the finals. question right there because that spot's cha- I've changed it around a little bit. But like originally when it opened, I had like LDU in there. And it's like, would I prefer a, a guy, starting a guy who plays 22 games every season, leads the team, you know, no problems and scores, you know, he's, he's been in what a top tenner for us for the last three seasons where LDU, as good as he is, um, you know, he'll last four weeks and then pff, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's curtains as we all saw last year, which is the worry. Laid out Uniaki is always is always a good one there. I've actually he was laid out in the team. practice match or practice hit up they had, wasn't he? Something like that. Yeah, with illness, <laughs> you got <laughs> You have to be consistent. You just have to. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's like everybody on the in this time of the year where you know you you kind of watching for role changes. But of all reports, is like Merritt's still the guy in there, and and why why couldn't he for one year go one fifteen one twenty? Like, like be one of the main midfielders. He's like, he's been close enough the last few years anyway. Yeah. I, look, I um I don't hate Merritt. All you need to do is play team. Brisbane too. Yeah. Merritt's just been one of those guys perennially over the last however many years that you can always pick him up at some stage in the season for say 550-ish. Um, yeah, somewhere, you know, maybe somewhere between 550 and 580, you know? So um, he's always an upgrade target for me, but that's not to say that he's not a bad selection. I just don't know where, like, my midfield at the moment is just so, I've, I've had it so locked for ages. I just don't know where I'd fit someone like that in. But you're right, it's someone like an LDU that could just make way because ultimately the only reason why I'm starting LDU is because he, he could be, the he could be, like, honestly, he could be M1. If he had a body that would actually hold up for 23 rounds of footy, he could be that good. Problem is mm. he hasn't shown anywhere near that for his entire career. So do I want to start him on the off chance that he does make it this year? Um, or if, and if you, if you don't have him, then you, you can't, you get burned, not ever picking him. Or if you do, he does get injured, you just trade him out because you've got 40 trades. It doesn't really matter. The, the problem that I had last year is that twice of the times I got caught with him laid out, I couldn't do anything with him anyway. So I was just mm. like, well, well, I just suppose I hold it. If he can turn that yeah. around, is that more him? being laid out or is that more um the coach like just pulling a swifty on the opposition before the bounce so i, I don't know who knows with those guys but um, uh, and i think there's a spot there and i think i also like merit because he's probably at the moment because he's the more expensive it's easy to go down because i know some people are looking at sort of that golden like i've already got sarong green butters in there anyway um because i like sort of the next next gen coming through but yeah, I've seen people like you know. We've... Swiss, you pick one, mate, and you don't ruin the things we're trying to sell. Something goes like it doesn't pan out the way I want through preseason to go the more, and that's why I also like the more expensive guy because it's easier to go down than trying to find cash. For example, like Merit's the same price as Nick Dacos as well. You know, it's all that. Like I, I don't, I don't really want to have sitting there like a few people have is like say a Rosie all of a sudden like a Merit or Dacos actually look unpickable. Well, I mean, pickable, like you have to lock them in. All of a sudden, where do you find that extra 50K and start, and start, you know, tearing your team apart to do that? So a guy that's looking really good in preseason, uh, that's where. So that's where I'm at at the moment with him. And I'm sure you want some sort of value in there. 
Well, yeah, I was also going to say, just touching on Chris too, if a defender mid-rookie stands up, then I think Dacos as a midfielder is definitely a viable option because you've still got, you know, you, young as the value pick, Stewart, even Sicily, you know, people you know are going to probably still stay in that top handful of defenders, whereas the midfield, it is a little bit of a guessing game. You're, you're hoping that some will stand up, some might get some improvement, so at least you get to watch a few and then be really aggressive through that sort of round five, six, seven, eight to try and target some of those mids. So I do like that strategy as well, Chris, if a defender mid um, def- you know, rookie is kind of in that mix as well. Yeah. Well, it's part of the reason why I'm Sorry, starting, so it's rookie... starting Massimo no, no, in defense is because he's tipped to play wing and he will likely get DPP. So you can switch him that way. So I am actually forward thinking about that. But again, no guarantees with any of that, as we saw last year, trying to bank on DPP six, six weeks ahead is just an absolute you know, fool's luxury. So, um, yeah. Anyway, back to you, Swizz. Um, it's hard because there's probably not as much kind of value outside. Like I know a few people looking Guthrie, Mount Crouch and, and Amon in that price, but further down until you get sort of rookies. I feel like a lot of people are looking at midfield as guns and rookies kind of, kind of situation. Um, the, the only one that I think can't be ignored in that, sort of 300 to 400 price bracket is George Wardlaw. Um, probably because we just didn't get to see the best of him yet because he sort of, you know, had the, that injury interrupted um, first couple of seasons on the scene. You know, he's pretty, he's um, under 18s and then into his uh, first big season. But by all reports, he, he's continued to beef up and he's, he looks amazing in that midfield. So I think that's one that I hate the price because it's 365, but the problem is, We've seen it with some of these guys before, like, you know, the number one, two draft picks. Um, if if they've got that proper preseason through them and injury-free, um, why can't they sort of come out and make 150K? Because they are, at least you know they're playing guts. Um, yeah, and could come out with a bang. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't love that, but because I don't actually have him in, but it's just one there that a few people have messaged me in saying, just keep an eye on Wardlaw, especially because I think, um, a lot of people keep looking at LTU and keep thinking he's going to keep breaking down. So who who else is playing in there? And they've got a couple options, but he's obviously the future that they want in there. And uh, the, the one that I've got just out of, um, like uh, I talked about, um, what, Cleary before, Kane. Um, Mac- Sorry, Swiss, just Wardlaw that you're yeah. talking about. People... People were comparing Wardlaw to like Clary, that contested mm. B-style yeah. player. And now, don't what forget what Clary did in his second year out of Melbourne, who was actually really, really low ranked. Yeah, but that contested B. So if you look mm. at, you know, the the makeup of the team, if LDU, you know, isn't kind of firing or he is injured, then it wouldn't be too surprising for someone like that to get the bulk minutes in the midfield like Clary did and then average a decent amount. So. Yeah, like you just look at Wardlaw, some of these games he played last year. Now, he wasn't obviously getting the high possession count in his first match, in his early matches. It happens with a new new player, and I subbed him out in a couple of games, which, you know, for, for somebody who'd been coming off injuries and no real, you know, pre-season, you can understand that. But he's had uh, one, two, three, four, yeah, yeah, four games there. Um, actually, it might have been five games over six tackles, including three games where he had nine tackles. So absolute tackling machine. And we talk about that's why we love Rory Laird so much because there'd be games where we could go 15, 20 tackles and you're like, well, there's 60 points just just in there. But Laird, um, you know, a lot of the time would just be 10 tackles, no problems. I think the Warlords very much like that. Very Matt Rowell as well. 
like Rowley would just put down for 10 tackles these days because you know, that's what he kind of does. And that kind of reminds me a bit of Wardlaw as well because he can win the ball but actually puts defensive pressure on, which is we love in Supercoach because, you know, it's just bankable 40 points before we even get to the, um, you know, them touching the ball. Interesting. Um, for me, my the premium that I'm really kind of interested in is Sarong, uh, only 9% owned at this point, mainly because there's a couple of reasons. The – a high ceiling that he has, and I did speak about that strategy. The he he goes big some games, like Brayshaw does, except um he's really that contested ball winner, that that sort of rough nut type of player. Now, um the reason I kind of like that is because Brayshaw was rumored to be going a little bit more possibly outside and getting that bit of a compliment. So he'll be inside outside, kind of like an Anderson type, still can win the ball, but also try and use that speed and his decision making outside. Um I know Fife might be a bigger body coming in. He'll be pinching. I don't think it's going to be a huge amount. His body isn't really made up to be taking the big brunt load of the shoulder hits. So for me, I think Sarong's got some real growth in that region. They have the best buy with Port Adelaide. Um, and I just think he is probably going to be the number one midfielder at Fremantle. And with two good Ruckman tapping it down, I think he's someone that could push that sort of 115 to yeah 120 mark. So that's someone I am looking at through the preseason to see if that all sort of stacks up. Um, your thoughts, boys? Do you have him as well, Chris? Because I know I do. Uh, who? Sorry? I wasn't the same. Sarong. <laughs> uh, yeah. <I> Sarong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I do. And uh, look, okay. uh, there's a Yeah, but only 9% why, but... too. So, yeah, I can't believe so, that. So that's I'd three of us. There's three of us here. I, I'd say the, the, everything that we've heard coming out of the, the Fremantle camp is that they're pushing Fife in. They've got Hayden Young in. And there's someone's going to go and they're looking at pushing Brayshaw out to a wing. So like not permanently, but he'll be splitting his time, which means because Sarong is really a one trick pony. He's the, he's a ball getter. He's yeah, likened to um, Lockie Neal in his, in his junior years in terms of the way he plays. They're not going to change that. They've, they've now found a premium mid sitting, sitting right there. So um, I don't think his role changes at all. I think everyone else's does slightly. And for that reason, I think he's the best. I think he's clear number one mid at Freo. I don't know why other people aren't seeing that. And considering their buy and the, the premium structure, I would I would have assumed he would be in way more teams. I assume people just have blinders on just going Brayshaw. Yeah, there's 1,443 other people who agree with us. Yeah, well, Brayshaw is owned more. Because <laughs> that's that that's the, all that owns Sarong at the moment. Where That'll change. Said, yeah, it surely does. But might not because... I think sometimes with Fremantle, just because of where they sit in the, um, I guess the membership ladder and the viewer ladder and stuff like that, they kind of are f- kind of a little bit forgotten, especially here in Victoria, compared to some of like your your bigger interstate, well, your big, bigger, um, yeah, clubs that are in other states. So I've got to stop saying call them interstate clubs, but you you guys know what I mean. So He's- yeah, I think. Other he, I can see him. He's Victorians. Yeah, I know. I can see him starting the season up, like at that ten percent mark at best, Oof. and and then people will be like, "Shit, he was the one I should have jumped on." I no, I agree because when you look at the caliber of people, the caliber of people also they're playing. Like imagine if Petrarca, if you know one of these other guys, you know, absolutely scores big. You've got Green, Kelly, Tuke Miller, Anderson, like any one of these other caliber players, Lockie Neal, Dunkley. If someone goes big and they go a 140, 150 in, in round zero, their ownership goes up huge regardless of the buy. And then all of a sudden the people like Sarong and the people who haven't played just kind of drop about 3 to 4% and I'm okay with it. 
Yeah, everyone's so, still talking about sort of your Lairds. I think it could be a Jack blessing Steel in disguise, seriously, that round zero. But Dawson Dawson and Laird are getting a lot more love than what the Frio players do. And I think it's more congested in that Adelaide midfield for, for spots oh, and players I, they're bringing in than what it is for Fremantle. I love Dawson, but then I do agree with the, the matchup. So Dawson was probably someone, I think, again, high ceiling, clean skills, but then... You know, they kind of do need his type in there. So my worry is is that Laird might end up getting pushed a little bit more off into the back line. You're almost like the Daniel Rich. You kind of you're in there. Rich obviously not killing it like Laird, but the retirement plan is maybe getting Laird back out to sort of preserve him. And my other concern is obviously you've got Matt Crouch still there. You've also got Berry. Um Berry is probably a segue into my discount options here, because for me it's Berry and Zach Jones as the two that I'm really watching, they're heavily, heavily discounted. Zach Jones can knock out hundreds and make cash at a low 200K um, Supercoach mid. And Barry as well is like 224 maybe um, as a midfielder. So he's also another person I'm looking at. I don't know if there's room for him, but again, he's almost that that tackling one-trick pony midfielder, looks fit. If there's room for him and they actually publicly talk about shifting some other, pl- uh, other people, he's someone that I could definitely be tempted by. Um, those two players predominantly. So, but for me, I love Dawson, man, and I wish I could see more of him. But yeah, there's so much in there. And then when you look at the Pete Peel they've signed as well, you know, they were saying, oh, last year, even like Rankin can get in there a little bit, Rochelle can get in there a little bit. They signed up uh, a couple of others as well that were sort of what first, second round picks and giving them some midfield time. So it's almost like they're being very, trying to be very unpredictable and and not reliant on just the couple of brute workloaders, which could also contribute Laird's low time on ground kind of getting worse at some point or more variance. Boys, what do you reckon? Uh, I think that they I think that they finally found at the end of the year a midfield that actually worked for them. Um, and I would be so surprised if they changed that coming around one. But um, having said that, who knows? I mean, they, they, they initially thought that Matt Crouch couldn't work. He comes in and he averages 108 over the back end and they found that you know, him working with Laird and Dawson really worked for their midfield. So, um, yeah, I, I would be shocked if they if they changed that, but I think that they probably need to at some point to enable the growth of their, of their, of their players and their team. Um, but, yeah, who knows? It's too early to tell at this stage for, for Adelaide. What about uh, Zachy Jones? You reckon there's some legs in that? He's on the watch list, but it's it's very far down. I think, like I just think St Kilda are probably like with a couple of the players that have left now with Billings and Caulfield. Uh, it does potentially maybe maybe he's the next one. That's now the new guy who's the the injury prone. We're hoping, praying that it's going to be his year. Um, yeah, and when he like when he's done in the past, he's done very well. And he's very serviceable. But um, I, I think St Kilda, yeah, they showed a lot of progress with what they were doing with their younger players last year. Um, you know, we got to see Winghagen. Um, they want to win like, though. What? Yeah, we, we didn't get to see, like even Jack Steele didn't probably have the as important year as he has in the past. But they've sort of well, the way Ross Lyons coached. Is it's it's brought other players into the mix, um, and and the spread and and what they've got out of some of those younger guys. So, are they really going to go back to your Zach Jones? Is everybody actually you know thinking that you know Jack still just returns this one ten guy? I think St Kilda are going to continue going off what they were doing last year, and and give like you know 
your, your Owens and, and, and these other young players more opportunity. So I don't think Zach Jones is the... You realise that last year they had a lot of injuries. I don't think that was a, oh, this is our plan A. I think Ross Lyon rocks up at the club and goes, oh, we're in some trouble. And now he's got 12 months of data and a few other people I think he can lean on. I think he went with the, I need to coach a football club. We need to be competitive. And this is what I need to do to be competitive for now. But I think there will be changes afoot. Um, you must be really confused, I think, that Zach Jones is somehow behind Paddy Dow. Now, I didn't say Paddy Dow, mate. I definitely didn't say Paddy Dow. Don't put words in my mouth there, champ. Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure dude. you said he's really far down the pecking order. Yeah, mate. Paddy Dow isn't <laughs> even on the pecking order, mate. M1 and M2 in uh, VFL Supercoach, buddy. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right, so do we move to the He, he could pull a Nathan. Um, could have pulled Sorry, a Nathan. Man. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, look, Ruckline, I think, sort of speaks for itself, boys. I mean, you, you, if you're not going English, and it's either English, Gorn, um, and um, <sighs> Grundy, the old you know, former stomping of Collingwood and Melbourne. So the, the one thing I do have as a consideration, when you look at that rookies, you've already sp- spoken on sort of, you know, sweet. Are there any other... Ruck rookies, you think, that have a, a shout? So say like a Nane Curvis, uh, not Nane, Nane Curvis, bloody, Naismith, Swizzy, do you reckon Naismith, is he like next in waiting or do you reckon he can work as that sort of one-two punch combo? I, I think they went with Samson Ryan last year and it's still him. I think Naismith's there as backup because Soldo's no longer there. Um, yeah, Because Nank's durability hasn't been great. If Nank goes down, then we've got conversations to have in regards to Naismith. Um, but until that happens, uh, yeah, I'd be leaving off that one. Um, there's also uh, Toby Conway from Geelong who could yep. potentially be number one ruck. Um, so um, a lot to play out for that to happen, but he's 180K, so a little bit more expensive than than Sweet. Um, but I think most people are looking at you either go, you can go both. Uh, spend a lot of money in English or, or Royal Marshall, for example. I think those are probably the two really premiums. But I don't know why you would when you can pay five eighty k for Gorn, who's obviously a proven commodity. I know he's older, or Grundy. And then the the, the conversation is generally Grundy or Cherry. So Cherry has the extra week because obviously he doesn't have the early buy because he doesn't play round zero. Um, it, but he's only seventy five k cheaper than Grundy. <laughs> I'm not sure mm. why you would pay wouldn't pay the extra 75k to get a potential keeper versus a stepping stone because essentially that's what cherry is right so benny yeah no i was gonna say it's like um going to aldi because it's cheaper and then spending four dollars fifty on bags because you didn't bring any so you know why go cheaper when you're just gonna get you yeah. know it's gonna it's gonna I'll, cost I'll you in like, the long run i don't i don't mind what people <laughs> thinking going i mean one of gorn and grundy because they don't want the two guys that are going to have the buy, early buy um, and obviously not going to have that one less game. So they're trying to um, have one of them, which has more been like, well, it actually seems to be more to in, in Grundy's favour at the moment, and then pairing them with an either an English or a Marshall, which I don't mind that play because we know, I, and I think a few people remember what English did last year. Now there's all reports that he's coming back maybe from injury, what they do with Lod, they've got all these other tools down there, but we can't not forget what how well English started last year. So there are some people going, well, Tim English and Max Gorn as a ruck line could be pretty good, especially though as much as we think and expect Grundy to return as this all-conquering, dominating number one ruck, there's still a couple of question marks about him. 
What are the question marks? I don't understand because when Grundy is number one rock, he stands up and absolutely dominates. And I don't think there's but anyone been really a taking his rock time like had that, mate. elsewhere. I do agree with you though. Yeah, it's been a couple no, of years. No, that's all. That, he's that just situation. biding his time, mate. He's doing his graffiti. Yeah, mate, he's getting the we've coast seen in time. The past, mate. He's fine. We're, um, mate, but yeah. I'm confused. Why Swiss is still talking? But also <laughs> the other part, which is, um, so no, I'm confused. How you're saying that people wouldn't pick this ruck because they're, oh, they're they're worried about they both have the buy, but then you're also picking premiums that have a buy, and then looking at swapping them. It's best 18. I don't even care if I have a zero. Yeah, but, but at the same time, there's, there is there is a limit. Depend, mate, yeah, but that, just because I'm doing that strategy doesn't mean somebody else is doing that strategy. So some people aren't they're trying to avoid people who have those early buys. Or they might only want, like, there's only a limit to how many they want. No, just, just the 7,000 people that listen to your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Our podcast, mate. Just 7,000 more than no, you. I, I do agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, no, but it's a fair You've done because... one more podcast to me. You two Shut shit staring me for the last <laughs> yeah. like week and a half because you got a little leg up. You threw a whole bunch of darts at a board and the next minute it comes out, oh, 40 trades. And everyone goes, wow, that actually looks like a great strategy oh. because you got fucking lucky. Now, don't try and sugarcoat it. It was shit advice that got rolled up in a polished gold turd and then people are now buying it. Right? You know so who else got lucky, Ben? Anyway. Yeah, Dacos got lucky when Hollywood? he bought it over his shoulder <laughs> in midair, right onto a running Dagoe to kick a winning goal in a grand final. That was really lucky oh, too. It's so good. <laughs> uh, excuse me, more like side bottom got lucky, kicking the ball 65 mm. metres, the longest he has ever done, even though he's played nearly 300 games. That's never a doubt. Never a doubt. Do you know what? I was, grand final week, I was hanging out with this bloke, and then he just disappeared after the grand final. Haven't seen him since. First time I've chatted to him. He was in trouble with the miso, bro. You can't blame him. <laughs> I was so in trouble. I, as, the, as the, if you heard Chris in my podcast, I was wankered. Okay. The, the other theory I'll, I'll just throw to you guys. If Darcy does not get up early, could you potentially see people starting Luke Jackson as R2? to swing forward later or potentially there if the sweet Conway, any of those rookie guys, if there's multiple guys in that situation, could you then start Jackson as your F1, wherever you say R2, R3, cheaper? Yep. And I, I think mean, forward line is really sketchy at the moment that if Darcy happened to have a setback and then he needed surgery or something or other, I think you could just, yeah, hold Jackson in. And then if there's any issues, you can throw him into that ruck line. Uh, and I think the average boost that we have seen that when he is number one rock, you kind of just ride it out. If that changes, you can always use one of your 50,000 trades to kind of you know fix it up a little <laughs> bit later. Now, Chris, I'm going to add, um, same as what you did say with the whole Gorn and Grundy, et cetera. Again, with the extra trades, you can afford to start people that are $100,000 cheaper. And then if you do get to the middle buys, which is my the thing that I would advocate to do, if they're not the best ruck, then use one of those extra trades wisely and then maybe flip them at the buy. So when Gorn has a buy the second time because we're lucky, um, then look to move them then and pick up English cheaper or do something around that point. If you pick someone and you, you know, especially in the ruck line, you know, normally it's a set and forget and you don't trade your rucks, but this is probably the one time where you might actually be able to hold someone up. And then when you get to the buy, if Marshall's doing really well and they've already had a buy, you're like, cool, I'm going Grundy or Gorn to to this guy and then I'm picking up Chris him for that round and the extra year. points in the boost. So yeah, that's where I think it could actually be. Absolutely. Not a good, not a good way. 
Um, yeah, look, that is an absolute um, All right, forwards can – and... No, yeah, only sorry, speaking. The Let is, the great man speak. Yeah, the only thing is Rowan Marshall and English both have the round 15 by. So uh, sideways thing to them is, is not – but if let's say there's another one that pops up that is – now let's say Jared Witts becomes the number one. I mean, he was actually until I think the buys and dropped off a cliff mm. on the back afterwards. I would have hated to have paid 600K plus for Jared Witts. Uh, but that is the, them's the breaks. Yeah, I haven't released or looked at the buys. There's enough. The second buys, Chris, but thank you for the, the nice logic um, correcting my mistakes at that point. Um, forward line is now I'm going to go for one. Someone that could really surprise you, ladies and gentlemen, um, and this might come a little bit of a shock. Dylan Moore is someone that I'm heavily considering oh, uh, more for comedic oh, wow. value, guys. No, comedic value good. just for schnitz and giggles. For these boys here, um, they've just brought in a new rookie, probably playing forward line. You've got Ducky McGee-Ginevan playing in that forward line as well. Amon apparently playing in defense. So I think there could be some room in there for him. And if it doesn't work out, then I can just hang shit on Chris and Swizz and say, I told you he's not a forward, he's not a premium, and then I can trade him out using one of my extra 60 gazillion trades. We've lost all credibility. <laughs> <laughs> look, I don't... Um, look, it's your I suggestion. No, the my suggestion for was last year, not this year. Stop living in 2023, man. <laughs> and it didn't work last year, so now now it's gonna work. You watch, now it's gonna work. What's he even? This what's time his ownership? For sure. <laughs> it's gonna work. Sixty percent of the time. Sixty percent of the time, it's gonna work. I don't hate him as a pick. I just don't think that. No, no. I, I, I don't think the role is going to be as juicy as everyone's making it out to be. That he's all of a sudden going to be playing more time midfield. I think he 4%. probably averages around the same as what he does this year. Maybe a little bit more, but um, at 500K, I think there is better value and I'm not going that deep in the forward line to make it worth my while at this stage. Um, but there's a lot to play out in the preseason. That's just what I'll say. So is that, is that your yes, premium, Benny? Then, hey? um, is that your premium? We're there. We're happy. Yeah, more for comedic value. Not because I actually like Dylan Moore. He's a shit pick. Always has been, always will, Swizz. Um, now, the one, <laughs> he could go okay. I might pick him. For, for, for He's actually giggles. in more teams than Caleb Daniel, which is interesting because Caleb Daniel could be getting midfield time. Caleb Daniel, midfield time or ruck time. I think they are pretty well sketched up in that position now. Um, the thing that I'm looking here for, boys, as far as that, that, that forward line, I'm going to go really questionable. For me, it's probably – I'm going to split hairs here. I'm going to say Billings. Just because we have history with Chris and my bet, um, surely he averages over 80 for once at that price. I know he did do it. It was at a hamstring, so that does concern me. Um, I left Fifey Boy open for one of you guys here. So um, I think there is definitely a lot of value in that forward line. If it's not Reed, if it's not one of these other guys, um, I know, just say one, Ben, and move on. So for me, Billings, no, depending right. on the so role many, he plays, probably so the wing. I think they definitely need... Yeah, oh, so many. And the forward line, you have to go cheap in the forward line. That's why there's no real point in spending much more for a premium forward outside of, say, McRae, possibly a Jackson at best. Dylan Moore, if you want to have a laugh. Uh, otherwise, it is go go cheap and go nasty. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Thoughts, boys? So we'll move on to more relevant things, Chris. Go. <laughs> um, look, there isn't many premiums. Oh, Dylan Moore relevant. No, I think... Um, Look, I'm really struggling for forward premiums. Um, I'll talk about Flanders because I guess he's probably the only one well, outside of McRae. Yeah, and look, my issue with Fl I've got issues with Flanders in itself. 
because at the end of the day, he's ro- he's very role dependent. Everything that for this comes down to role, and I don't think he's in the best three midfielders there. Um, plus, there's talk of Ainsworth coming in and, and playing, say, a dusty role, so a CBA style role, which takes even more pressure out of that. Having said that, a lot of the times he did actually win the footy. He was he was the the half forward moving up to the contest as I say, fifth midfielder. So. Look, I just need to see it. And granted, we're going to get round zero out of it. So that makes it a lot easier. But his scoring, if he gets the role, is undeniable. And he, I think he had a 10-game stretch of a, a, over 100 average, um, which would put him at M1, uh, at, sorry, F1 uh, on current last year's um, uh, scores. So look, it's some to watch. And he's in 40% of teams, which means he's going to be very popular. Um, he's currently in my team because I don't think there's really anyone else um, and so we'll see how that goes. But at the moment, uh, I think he's kind of pickable until we get further information. Yeah, from a premium point of view. And your there, cheaper I, option? Oh, you go cheaper oh, option. So. Yeah, I'll just go straight up. Um, yeah, so uh, James Harms is the one that I've had my eye on all preseason. I think he's arguably that best sort of under 250K forward um, for a few reasons. A lot of it's going to depend on what his role is like at the, at the, um, at the Dogs. And what happens with that? So the big, big part of the reason why I'm big on him is obviously uh, Bailey Smith comes out of the rotation, obviously from wing half forward role. So there is a spot in the best 22 for a start. Yeah, he went over there to to pretty much be that extra midfielder, that big body in there. So I, at last year, what we saw at the Dogs is that they basically did what they have never done before. And they ran the three main mids as their three primary guys. And then they had a few others contributing. You know, Do they change that up? Because again, you know, finishing a whole ninth last year, um, didn't really work for them. So they're looking to throw more bodies in the midfield, more bigger bodies, uh, more experienced, then that could be the way. So going on James Harms' uh, history, he's actually three times averaged over 80 and once 95. Um, the, unfortunately, we don't have enough CBA data in DFS Australia to to give us examples of, of, of how his CBAs are in correlation to his scoring. Um, the best case we have was in 2021, um, he had 48% CBAs and he averaged 80, 87. So I'm not sure what he did in that 95 year, um, but he's obviously one that if he gets a, a decent role at it, he can definitely you know average between 85 and 95. That The issue is going to be the role. Um, is he the 23rd player? Do they, they see him as a guy that can come in off the as a, as a sub? I'm not sure. But um, at 250K, I think if he's got a good role in the preseason and I see that, that he's got the rotations and that there's big talk about James Harms in midfield, I think he's definitely one you could start in the forward line absolutely on field. And he could be potentially, if he's going to average somewhere between 85 and 95 in that forward line of this year, that's keeper status. So definitely one worth monitoring. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little so annoyed because he... I really thought you were going to talk about Zach Fisher and I was going to talk about Harms. Um, <laughs> I, didn't want, I didn't want to talk about Zach Fisher at all. But, but you know, I 100% agree everything you said about Harms. Um, I think, and especially that all the talk, with, it's surprising that McRae's like the number one premium in the forward line at 53% because there's talk that he might play, be the Mr. Fix-It guy this year. Play, they're training him with half-back, they're training him with half-forward. Um, he'll have weeks where he'll play in the guts. So I guess it'll just depend on injuries. So um, he's one I don't really like at all at the moment um, because I think we're going to see a different, um, you know, a, a lot of range with his scoring. And I actually think Harms, there is a position for him coming in as we see with the injuries. And uh, so I'm, I, he hasn't left my side so far. So I'm 100% behind you with that. Um, with the premium at the moment, I've got Luke Jackson in. 
so we've all until I see Sean Darcy running laps um, and dominating the game, um, Jackson can sit there. And I really hope um, even we've seen it before, Jackson playing that second guy can still score reasonably well. I still think he'll finish top six and he is a good cover if you're going to play a loophole ruck forward as your R3 um, to cover the guys when they've got their bye because you're going to have potentially forward rookies that can come on and score as part of your best 18 or at least loophole them. And then Jackson can cover a Gorn or a Grundy if they are missing, if that's the way you're going, which is the way obviously I'm going at the moment. So um, I think Jackson does add, add a lot. And we know Darcy does miss weeks. And the moment Darcy misses a week, Jackson goes 110 plus. So um, I think he could potentially be the number one forward this year before outside the guys who pick up dual position which will be the key. And I think that's why we can't go any more than one premium in the forward line. Easy to throw a few little stats around, Chris. Like, oh, Flanders had a 10-game run and averaged 100 and blah, 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 and that would make him the number one forward and blah, blah, blah. McRae also went 13 games averaging 110. Oh, that would make him the number one forward, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's really selective when you kind of put one person up against another. I mean, even Jackson. Where's Jackson? Let's have a look. Luke Jackson probably had a, a run of games, blah, blah, blah. Like, seriously, horrible, Chris. You should be ashamed of yourself. Oh, I can give you more Luke Jackson three. stats. You are. So his, 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 his in and out okay. stats are yeah. um, 87, I think it was no, 85 with uh, Darcy in the team is his average and 118 without. And that's why Roland is everything because if he gets the primary ruck roll or Darcy's injured, then he goes on a run of 118, especially if that's the start of the season. Plus, he has the best buy, of course. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, like he's easily if, – if he's the only Ruckman for Frio this year, he is far and away F1. Like there's no and, one. And my, my thing with that is, as you said, 80, 85 when Darcy's in. 85 this year, well, at least at the start of the year until we get the new dual position, is going to be pretty good for one of the premiums. Like it's probably what Flanders – if McRae's being chipped around everywhere – there's potential McRae only goes like 90. So Jackson might be still one of the best forwards during that period. And we all know Darcy's good for a late out. And that'd be nothing better than owning him, especially because Freo always seem to play those Sunday games. And you got your opponents looking at you and you've got Luke Jackson. They're going, ah, and then Darcy late out and Jackson goes 130. And you're just like, yeah, I'm loving life right now. Um, so I would prefer, I think I'd prefer to start with him. Um, the, the only way I don't probably start with him is for whatever reason, Bulldogs get an injury, McRae's locked in. Or, you know, there's just that much value where we just, I'm going to go six value options on field. But I think I want one, and I think Jackson's the perfect cover. Therefore, as I said, those buy guys in the ruck lineup. Fair enough. And I'll move yep. on to... Average 106 for the last 15 games. So, again, Flanders, easy to be selective when they get the role, but you never know what their role is going to be and how long they will keep it. Um, which is why selective uh, stat padding, Chris, is never recommended. But, mate, that's what we do. <laughs> that's, that's what everyone does. Mate, every politician does Do you know who that. I am? Chris would be a good <laughs> That's exactly what we do. <laughs> um, and and if I want to go a value guy, and I've copped a little bit of criticism because it's my boy, but big Tommy Lynch um, is back running. Um, he, he's probably the easiest one because – we get to look at him for a week. So if he's up fit running um, and playing that first game against the Suns and comes out and does, you know, kick three or four, you know, he could potentially have a really good break even um, leading in. And I th- I th- I've seen a few people, I think Al Patton 
might have been the one that mentioned him saying he's going to be the biggest, um, you know, head case for us come round two because he might go like 20 round one and no one's going to pick him. And then round two and three, he's going to come out and probably go back to back hundreds or he's going to go the other way and probably score like a 110 in the first match and everyone's going to get on him. And then round two and three, he's going to shit the bed as key forwards do. So it wouldn't surprise me either way, but he is Richmond's number one forward now. There's, there's no Jack. The focal point's him. So um, I sent an email, boys, to <laughs> Richmond. I was really keen to see how how Tom Mitchell, Tom Mitchell, Tom Lynch, uh, also Tom Mitchell, how they're <laughs> oh, both doing. Just sent an email at everyone. Richmond said, hey, mate, um, maybe send it to, to Hawthorne or to Sydney and they can you know forward that. <laughs> Um, BCC would now yeah. um, apparently they said he hasn't stopped running Twiz. yeah I know exactly just get the way around Sydney Hawthorne that was part of the, the pun there Swiss. Um but thank you I do digress the, <laughs> Tom Lynch apparently hasn't stopped running they Richmond told me Tom Lynch has not stopped running away from Gold Coast <laughs> and there you have it so he's, he should be fit as a fiddle Fit as a fiddle, Tom Lynch uh, yeah, is someone yeah. I am really looking at as well. If he looks and strong and he gets the Ks up in the leg, I think his price is yeah. great for a high ceiling player. That's right. We know, we know if he goes on a three, four game run, we, we've seen it before. He just goes berserk. And just a the quick little mention he there. He hasn't actually started running yet, has he? He's, he's running no, on he a has. gravity he has. machine. No, no, he has. Yeah, yeah. He has. Since when? Is that recent? Yep. Yeah, and running when you're about 134 kilograms is worth at least double the kilometers. He hit out down at like uh, Beaconsfield the other day, and yeah, now I know he's back. Oh, well, he's back at least with the running group. I don't know how hard, hard he's running, but he's definitely been running. Oh, See, I think Kane Corns has got this all wrong with the AFL coming out saying that um, they can't. Yeah, there's no weights anymore. So I said Tom Lynch 134 kilos. You can speculate now, Kane Corns. I mean, I just said Tom Lynch weighs 130 kilos. You can speculate. Go nuts. You're a journalist. You make up half the shit anyway. Just go nuts, mate. Did you know, though, that the, the, the player weights aren't actually done by the, the clubs? They, they, the AFL just make them up. They just, they just fill out a form. The clubs fill out a form. They don't check them. They're not weighed by the AFL officially. So the weights are literally made up. It's like, it's like whose line is it anyway? Where the points don't matter. <laughs> the points don't matter. Yeah. What like, a great not a, so why Max, remove them? Max Max Gorn came out and said, Yeah, like the AFL doesn't do any weight testing or anything like that. They yeah. just ask the clubs to give them a list of particulars and then they punch punch them out. You could literally say that you're six foot ten and two thousand kilos and no one would bat an eye. Is that why Caleb <laughs> Daniel plays rock? Exactly. <laughs> so you're saying it's like the other guys never got where, the where where the weigh in is more like a it's a desk pop. Uh, Desk pop. Tell me that's a real thing. No, it's not a real thing. They had me so convincing with their arguments. <laughs> it's exactly right. Yeah. Apparently it's just not, a, yeah, it's not a thing. So like in the States, for example, like the NBA and whatever, they literally they all get weighed. They all get measured. Like then it's like literally public knowledge. Like that this guy is, mm-hmm. you know, 240 Wages, pounds or 610 or whatever. Everything yeah. there. Um, over here, it's, just, it's not the case. It's, it's not. What is this? Yeah. A knight's tale? <laughs> is this Heath Ledger in the Knight's Tale? You've been weighed, you have been measured, you've been found wanting. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, look, uh, you've got your your last premium uh, there, there, Ben, I'm sure. I was going to just quickly add one uh, just to the Tom Lynch. So I was going to say just because we just said to Tom about Tom Lynch running. I think Jai Carly's back running as well from West Coast. Who, he's a 193K player from there. So um, some of these players now are starting to try to – pick up their fitness 
So two weeks until he does another hammy at West Coast, apparently. So that's good. Who? <laughs> anyway. No, well, two oh, yeah. weeks until West Coast consider him yeah. fully fit because their yeah. fitness standards aren't very that's good, right. boys. So does a couple of weeks on the treadmill and you're in the best 22, bro. That's it. You've ticked a few boxes. You are fit as a fiddle. As can, they say can, you, can you limp to the field? <laughs> you're in. <laughs> Just time to the goalpost. Can you do your socks up? Also, you're in. <laughs> Come over here. I can still bite you. That's that's a concussion test. Can you do, put your socks on? <laughs> All right, man. <moving> <laughs> this has gone sideways. Oh, does oh, that wrap us up does. for the for the night? I think. <laughs> sure, sure it does. That I think that wraps us up. Uh, look. A bit of fun to start the season, though, and um, I want to apologise. We we this is probably my fault. We usually use Streamyard, which is where we um, you know, we try and use some Q and As and a few other things. And then we went to you know re-sign up because there's no point paying for the off season. I was like, thirty eight Australian dollars a month. So I'm like, I ain't paying that. And Chris is like, hey, I've got this thing. And then there's a bit of um non-sync between us, which is why this one probably won't sound as clean and polished because. When I speak, it's about two to seconds delay, I think, when these boys go. So hopefully I can fix it in the editing. If we are talking over the top of each other, it is because of um, this scenario. We actually sent a few little group chats out during this potty saying, oh, yeah, I think we'll go back to uh, to Streamlabs, I think. So not Streamlabs, to um, StreamYard. But, yes, Chris is tired. Swizz is nodding his head as always. Um, look, that's it from us. Guys, you will, I guess you'll release some content as well. We are... We are keen to do some team-by-team team stuff. Uh, we might have a, a re-jig and have a bit of a discussion about our preseason plans just with the change of the round zero and the rest of it. But usually this is the the part where we actually release most of our content. I think the last two years the data said that most people weren't really um, digesting all, all we had to offer um, in that sort of December, early January sort of bracket, which is why we're kind of waiting a little bit later towards the end of Jan because this is now the, the app's open, which is why we're now going to start putting out more content because more people actually absorb uh, what we're putting out because we find that the data changes so quickly that people aren't really going to go back and listen to things from two, three weeks ago, which is why that we're kind of kicking off our season a little later. But don't you worry, we'll get all that good gear out to you in due time. But that's it from us. Ladies, gentlemen, all as I call it, the 1% Swiss Club, the female listeners of Supercoach Insider, we do thank you. Tell your friends, tell your mum, and until next time, write that down. We'll see you then. See you guys. Bye.